I think that's really one of the secrets to that success is that when we're rolling that out, we can roll that out with the confidence that it's going to work because we've already built it and we've already tried to break it and we've already found 99% of the bugs have worked out. Um, and, and that's really, really important whenever it comes to getting your team to adapt and to adopt that program is that you're rolling out something to them that, that is functional and not something that will get us by until we figure out how to fix it. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elfman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. All right, and welcome to another episode of Building Perspective. This is episode, I don't even know what episode this is. We're just churning along here. Uh, But uh, I am super excited to have... Uh, a very special guest with us today. So I have um, Sean Giddens from Schubert Mitchell Homes with us today. So, and we are going to be talking about evaluating your home builder tech stack. So those are some big, long, fancy words, but we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit today about what the heck that even means. And then what the process looks like straight from the field, straight from the builder's um, of, of kind of the why, the why, the how, and and part of that adaptation. So, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us today. Man, I got to tell you, I'm I'm really excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, why don't you tell start by telling us a little bit about you, um, your role at your home building company and your company itself. A little bit about your location. You know, your how many homes year you guys do. Um, and uh, then we'll kind of dive into, uh, you know, dive into the, to the topic. Yeah. So, um, I live, uh, in Joplin, Missouri, and that's actually where Schubert Mitchell is based out of is, is Joplin, uh, lifelong resident here, Southwest corner of Missouri. Most people don't know where that is. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> have an incredible wife and three awesome kids, uh, three boys. They're, um, 19, 14, and my youngest, uh, will be nine this weekend. So, um, uh, man, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about this as we were, as I was just mentally getting in the space to have this conversation with you today that, um, you know, my history before home building and Schubert Mitchell, um, I spent nine years with Best Buy and Geek Squad, uh, and whenever, whenever I made the decision to leave Best Buy and Geek Squad, um, I really felt like my future was going to be in technology. Um, a guy that I had worked with recruited me to come work at Schubert Mitchell with him, a uh, small, small company. No one could even pronounce it, let alone know what it was. And I thought he was crazy. Uh, I said, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into real estate, right? I'm, I'm going to get into technology somewhere. Right. That, like that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and man, I got to tell you, um, this is the best wrong I've ever been. I'm, I'm glad that I trusted my friend for sure. That's awesome. And, and we share a, a similarity. And so before I got into home building, uh, I was in the retail tech space. I was with uh, CompUSA and Circuit yeah. City prior in a prior life years and years ago. And, you know, I really feel like that's what, because technology has been my, it's kind of hobby forever. 
and uh, and that one of the things that I think um, was always gives a fresh perspective coming into an industry that is typically a decade behind everybody else. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, that you coming in from that role, I think, has had an amazing impact um, with Schubert Mitchell and and obviously is, is directly affected by your all's your all success. So your location, you're in Missouri. Um, where, like, how many homes a year are you guys building? What, like, how many communities are you doing? Just kind of give everybody some context, right? Yeah. So, um, we were on track to build 800 homes this year, but, but I, the, like, the incredible story there really is that we haven't been an 800 home builder. Um, whenever I started with the company six and a half years ago, uh, we had sold less than a hundred homes. It was uh, uh, the next year we, we finally broke the triple digits in sales. And so um, a couple years ago, we were recognized in uh, Builder Magazine as the fastest growing builder in the country. Um, uh, this past year for 2020, we, uh, we hit the, the 101 mark, <laughs> not quite into the top 100, but we're so close. Um, yeah. So th- that, that growth to me really is the story, but um, yeah, so we, we anticipate we should build a, uh, 800 homes this year um, and then hopefully be on track to, to hit the thousand mark next year. That's amazing. Unbelievable success. I mean, and so when you go from roughly a hundred homes a year and you've been there for six years, so in six years you've scaled from about a hundred to what will be 800 this year. So with that kind of growth, um, there's definitely some pain involved, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) The growing pains are real. Yeah, that's right. You're like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? Um, and so I'm, so let's talk a little bit, obviously your growth, um, your growth trajectory has had an impact. And, and obviously with you having a technology background, um, you know, your the growth has had an impact on the type of systems and processes and technology that you guys have decided that you want, need to continue to scale, keep things, um, you know, organized um, and, and get a, a really good ROI, um, making sure that you're, you know, building the right stuff. Right. Like the old saying of, of sell what we build and build what we sell, yeah. um, you know, and to be able to do that, you have to have the right systems in place. So what I want to talk about with you today and um, share with share with our listeners is is really um, how did you guys go through the process of what made you start the process of evaluating systems? And we don't have to talk about the systems that you were on that you left because we don't want to, you know, because one of the things that can be misconstrued in, in a conversation like this is, you know, different systems and and um, and technology is great for different scale sizing businesses, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so true. we don't want to like make it sound like, well, this this company wasn't good, so we went here. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's scale. So we won't get into who you went, who you were with. We certainly can talk about who you're, who you're using or implementing now, but let's talk a little bit about what caused you to determine like, Hey, we, we really need to evaluate what system that we're using and what's the right fit for us. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, Matt. Um, I was, I was actually thinking about those previous years and, um, 
uh, I know that whenever we, our initial email that kind of got us hooked up, the, the comment was made that um, Schuber Mitchell uh, is an advocate for change. And uh, whenever we got on the phone later that day, I remember saying, you know, that's a big compliment, but but really, I don't think that's that's the right description. Um, I think that we're advocates for improvement, and oftentimes with improvement comes change. Um, I remember whenever I first started with Schubert Mitchell, uh, whenever we would price a home and choose options for a buyer, we did that in an Excel spreadsheet, which uh, Damon Schuber had had built this master awesome spreadsheet to be able to do that with. But but yeah. then we would we would export that tab as a PDF. And then that PDF would get handed to the guy who would draw the plans and he would draw those by hand. And so um, <clears throat> as I think through whenever we've, we've made those change changes for improvement and kind of, uh, I don't, I don't even know if it's official, but, but a lot of the way that we kind of measure that is, is on efficiency um, to be a systems builder. Efficiency is, is the secret sauce, right? So um, what are the tasks that we have people doing today? And is there a way to separate that out? Like, like, does this guy have to be the guy that does all of those things? Or um, I know uh, uh, our, our interactive lot map that we're switching to here in the next couple of months, um, uh, by making that one switch, it's going to create half the workload for our architecture team. So sure. whenever you figure the cost difference and then the workload for the team and, and how much better it's going to make that team and they get to focus on, on what's really important. Um, you know, sometimes those things just make sense. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit harder to identify what that, what that need is. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like, like there are different programs, different software, different technology, different things that you have to use through that growth. So what's working today may not be what works tomorrow and what, what's going to work tomorrow. And you know, that it may not, it may not make sense to do it today that, you know, it may not be in the budget or, or whatever that looks like. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, that technology growth, uh, is also a pain point along with the other growth for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, I don't know if you guys ever got caught up in this because it's very common in conversations that I have with builders is when we're talking about the right systems and, and technology that to make sure we put in place is a, it's easy to get sucked into, well, we implemented this system five years ago mm. and we spent all this time and money and, and I really just don't want to bail on that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's that sunk cost theory, you know, uh, you know, an a, a con a economic term of, of understanding like, Hey, my money's already spent there. Like it's, I already spent the money regardless. I'm not, sp I'm not continually spending money on something that's not working. So whether or not I continue to use this or not, the money's spent and it's yeah. gone. And now we just have to focus on, you know, we, it's easy to lose sight of the, the time value Right. So how much it's actually costing you in man hours or people hours um, to accomplish said tasks. And like you said, like you're going to make you're making a switch to an interactive um, sitemap product and it's going to save your architecture team tons of time because they probably are not having to do the same thing two or three times to make sure it translates yeah. from the back end to what's represented to the buyer on, on, a, on a website. Right. 
Yeah, you, you run into the, like you said, sunk cost. But then um, as much as we don't want to admit it, oftentimes there's pride involved in that too. Like Total for, pride of authorship. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I can relate to that very clearly. The the CRM that we were with until we changed at the beginning of the year, um, I, I went out and shopped CRMs. And I found and, and I did all of this work. And then whatever we we made that like I worked with the CRM to set up our account and I worked on the rollout and, and I implemented it. And, and, you know, I built like all of the back end stuff. Like that was my, my baby. And that CRM company is still incredible and they do a great, great job. And, and um, it would have served us well for a long time. So when our marketing team came and said, Hey, we want to change the CRM my initial response was stay out of my business. Like, you don't know what we do, right? Like, right. just go tell people about our homes and we'll work on selling them. You know, um, I didn't, I initially didn't have any interest in entertaining anything different because I had already done the research and uh, um, the CRM that they brought that they wanted to use, I have seen on social ads and things like that. And, and it's marketed as a free CRM tool. And I thought, there's no way that this free tool is going to be able to do what ours will. And, um, right. That's true. The free version doesn't, but uh, uh, the pay-for version is awesome. And um, uh, I had to swallow my pride. After 40 minutes on a demo, I knew immediately that um, that this new CRM would be our future, um, and it's been it's been great. Yeah, and and so what call? Co- I mean, so your marketing department was the cause. Like, hey, we need we need something a little bit more powerful, right? Or yeah. more conducive to what the things that we want to do. So was that really the the catalyst? Because you weren't you thought what you had was working, right? Yeah. Especially since you were the implementer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I thought it was awesome, um, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, so our marketing team uses Marketing Hub, um, which is HubSpot's marketing engine. Um, and they had been for a long time. And so, um, what they were finding was some of the double work that they were having to do, uh, because the CRM and the the marketing engine weren't connected. So, um, they, they knew that I wouldn't be really excited about the idea of changing (laughs) CRM. So they did a lot of the groundwork first to really understand it before they, they brought it, uh, to sales. Um, but, uh, you know, really the, the, the major component there was once the CRM and their, and their marketing engine were connected, the, the marketing power that was gained through that is, is just incredible. And so, um, and then on the flip side of that, um, uh, HubSpot really does serve our sales needs better than our previous CRM, uh, was doing. So, um, I, I was just so convinced that our current CRM at the time uh, was so good that there wasn't anything better because whenever we signed up for it, there either there wasn't or we just didn't know about it, right? So um, uh, it's also difficult to remember that technology changes so fast. Yeah. And just because there's not something better today doesn't mean there won't be tomorrow. And so um, understanding that and, and uh, being willing to go through that with an open mind is, is really important. There's definitely a fine line between finding that fine line between just bouncing back and forth just for the sake of bouncing back and forth and yeah. also keeping your eyes on the horizon of what's coming 
you know, what it can do and what the real reasons are, you know, <clears throat> and the ram and the real ramifications for making a big switch. Because, you know, as we talk about, we're talking about CRMs at the moment, but CRMs, ERPs, when you, when you're already in one, right. Yeah. And you're going to make a change, you are willingly walking into brain damage, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it is a painful process um, to switch. And so it's got to be really compelling to, to make that switch and, and sometimes really difficult um, and sometimes even more difficult to get ownership on board uh, or that whoever the decision, the ultimate decision maker is, yeah. um, you know, it, it can be, it can be a challenge sometimes. So when you, so your, your marketing department is already using um, HubSpot's marketing engine. Yeah. When you, when they brought this, this opportunity to you, because understanding HubSpot, when you're now you're connecting, you were talking about bringing in the CRM side to it. Now you're connecting human beings into the same database as what this powerful marketing engine is. And it literally, now it translates that information, that reporting down to a user level, you know, user meaning the end user, the buyer. Yeah. Um, and you really can see to, to a very granular level of what's working, what's not, who's engaging, who's not. But what were some of the things when you were evaluating it, that really stuck. That really stood out as like, wow, this is the the right decision for us, right? Because HubSpot or Salesforce <laughs> or Lasso or whomever it may be, it can be a really great fit for some companies and not the best fit for another. So, what were the, some of the compelling things for you guys that made you say, yeah, wow, I really we really have to look at this? Yeah, I, I guess the filter that I try to run that through is, um, well, I, I run into sales folks all the time at the International Builder Show, and I, I feel like I hear the same thing in the hallways. Well, we had this CRM, but then we had to switch to this one, and they're not excited about it. And so um, one of the filters that I wanted to run that through was, this has to be better for our sales team, yeah. or we just can't do it. Like, right. there has to be... There has to be some wow in here somewhere because if it's not better and it's I, I, I'm not I'm not interested in making a switch just because it serves our marketing team better. It has to serve everybody better. Um, and so that gets tough. But, um, uh, you know, running it through that filter, um, of course, you know, you can't disregard the cost factor. Um, you know, had to compare cost from our, our previous year into that one and then understanding, okay, so this is this cost and we can do this, this is this cost, but we can do all of these things instead. Um, so, uh, but you know, we, we've, we've made a lot of those changes recently with, uh, with HubSpot. Um, we changed our, our video email and text, uh, software, um, with that switch, uh, you know, so, and then now our company is in the middle of, of switching our entire ERP, which is a major undertaking. Yeah. Um, and then we, we currently have an interactive lot map, but we're switching to a different one. So, um, man, we've, we've made a lot of changes here in, uh, in 2021, but, um, you know, as far as running that through that filter, uh, <laughs> we, we just try to look through it as, it, it's, it has to, it has to improve. It has to be better. There has to be some wow factor there. Um, and has to be better for our team. And it, 
and then ultimately has to be able, if we can provide something better for our team, then we can provide a better experience for our buyers. Um, And if this change doesn't do that, then it just doesn't make sense for us to even consider it. Right. And so what was the, what was the big driving factor? Um, Because switching a CRM can be painful. Yeah. Um, Switching an ERP system is like, knowingly walking into surgery without uh, anesthesia, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was even, that's that's a massive undertaking and not just for sales and marketing, but for the entire organization. Um, what was for you guys, what was the, what was the, what was the triggers of going, we, we it's really time to reevaluate what system that we're in. Yeah. So um, <laughs> from an ERP standpoint, um, It's funny, the, my first day with Schubert Mitchell Homes was also the first day that we were implementing our CRM that we use today. So I I talk about those Excel spreadsheets. I didn't have to do that a whole lot. There was only like two plans that hadn't been built out in the ERP yet. Um, So I was pretty lucky whenever I came in, I didn't have to deal with the quote unquote change because it was my normal. Um, That software that we're using today, it still works fine and it would serve us for the next five or 10 years if if, uh, we wanted to. Um, But Part of what we're changing to, um, uh, we're moving over to uh, Microsoft's Home Builder One ERP, and some of the things that are are helpful with it is it's all web based. It it just flat out runs faster. The mm. user interface is uh, a lot more simple. Um, it's very it's very customizable, which sounds great, but but that'll trick you because customizable means there's a lot of work in setting it up, but yep. it's worth it. Um, and so what we found was with our current ERP, we could get that to where we need it to be to serve us in our, our current state of business today. We'd have to invest a lot of money um, to build the customizations that we need, but it just didn't feel like our current ERP would be able to grow with us as, as we continue to grow. Where HB1 or Home Builder 1 um, once that's set up and, and we deal with the initial, I think we're on a 10 month build out program is, is what we're doing to get that ready. Um, once that's built, its ability to continue to grow with us as we grow, uh, it, it's just set up for that. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it has been painful there. There's more people on our ERP team today than the number of people that worked for the company whenever I started. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a massive undertaking. It's a a massive cost. Um, if you figure the cost of setting that up and, and the team that's helping us do that and the labor and and all of that, but man, I tell you, our, our, um, uh, director of it, uh, is really, really good at this stuff. Um, project managing that, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I have zero fear that we're going to roll this out half baked. He just won't allow for that. And and I think in the past and, and probably other companies run into this too, is um, you just have one person that's kind of building it out. And so what ends up coming out is a very buggy, clunky system. And when that's buggy, the people you're trying to implement that to get frustrated and they immediately hate it because not only is it different and as humans, we don't like change. Um, but then it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And then you spend the next five years fixing it. Right. Um, 
uh, with our IT director, um, he just he's just not going to allow that to happen. And, yeah. and I saw that firsthand when we rolled out our CRM at the beginning of the year. We spent the last quarter of last year uh, getting that ready, and, and I was on that team with him. Um, and uh, you know, um, I don't I don't always in the moment appreciate how hard he pushes for for to make sure that that's right. But the end result is always worth it. And so um, I think that's really one of the secrets to that success is that. When we're rolling that out, um, we can roll that out with the confidence that it's going to work because we've already built it and we've already tried to break it and we've already yeah. found 99% of the bugs have worked out. Um, and, and that's really, really important whenever it comes to getting your team to adapt and to adopt that program is that you're rolling out something to them that, that is functional and not something that will get us by until we figure out how to fix it. Yeah. And so as you're going through this implementation, excuse me, this implementation process, um, how, what does that look like for you guys? Are you bringing in, are you setting up different departmental teams to come in and, and, and kind of have different, I guess, champions of certain things to making sure that all departments are represented in this rollout or is your IT person like the, the go-to, like, the only one, like what's that look like for you guys? Yeah. So uh, you hit it right on the head. We, we have a a champions for, for each um, discipline. So um, from sales to um, our, our architecture team to our, our systems, you know, uh, team um, um, marketing isn't really involved in this side of things. Uh, They were, you know, we already did their software, right. Um, uh, Our finance department is involved. So there there's, literally at least one person from every discipline who we're, we're pretty late in the build out now. So most of us like, like this has become our full-time job. And, and that's the other part that's really hard is, um, you know, we've got construction managers that um, have had to ease into like, Hey, when we rolled this out, I need an hour a week from you. And then in this next phase, I need 10 hours a week from you. And now we're in this phase where it's like, no, no, no. Like this is your full-time job now. Um, And so you know, that alone is a huge commitment. And, and truthfully, is probably the hardest part of this whole implementation is putting, handing my job off to somebody else or, or having to just understand that those things are on hold. Um, uh, for example, our CEO uh, made the decision at the beginning of the year that we weren't going to increase production uh, this year not because we couldn't or wouldn't be able to, but because we needed to invest our resources in rolling out this ERP so we could be prepared for growth next year. Yep. Um, because if we try to do everything, uh, we you just can't do anything well when you're trying to do it all. Without a doubt. And I think that's a really great point. You know, when you're laying out your business plans and you're talking about what your growth looks like, you know, growth, you know, most people, when you look at the, you know, you think about growth, it's this, you know, linear line that is, that just kind of continues to go, go up, go, 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 go up, up, up. But in reality, sustainable and controlled growth is a little bit up flat, a little bit up. It looks more like a stair, a set of stairs than it does that continual like stock line of, you know, shooting way up because you've got to have that you, you, and you've got to have the discipline to say, all right, this year is the year that we're going to get our processes under control, our feet under us better, and to set ourselves up for the next tier 
of growth. And, and this is that, you know, this is for you guys is that year of investment, yeah. you know, and that's investment in your systems and processes, investment in yourselves, because like you said, at the very beginning, just a simple thing like changing lot interactive lot uh, site maps, you know, is going to save your architecture team time um, because they don't have to do the same thing repetitively over, you know, to get to get it to the end user. And so that's where you say, all right, this is this massive time investment in ourselves and our people because it's going to make everyone's jobs and lives better once this is this is fully up and running. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think um, as a sales guy, right? It's it's tough to think that that we're in an environment today where we've had to throttle those sales. Um, you know, we made a decision that that we were going to only grow this much this year so we could invest in this product so that we could set ourselves up for future growth. Um, and then you run into a year like this where I mean, from a housing market in general, like you, you just can't build enough homes, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely takes some discipline, uh, for sure, but man, the, the results on the other side are, are, are definitely going to be worth it. Um, and, and that's one of the things like I described this ERP rollout to our uh, IT director as it's kind of like going to the gym, right? Uh, maybe not for you, but for me, I hate the gym. I hate working out. I hate being there. I hate leaving there. I don't like any part of it, but I know I need it. And working on the CRP is just like that. I don't like it while I'm doing it. I don't want to invest the time in it. All I want are the results, right? Just yeah, like the right. gym. I don't want to go. I just want to look and feel better in the morning. Um, and so, uh, but, but you don't get those results without, without hard work and the sacrifice and that sort of thing. So, um, it, that's, that's a tough place to be. Uh, but man, I, every time I come away from that, I know the results are going to be worth it. And that makes the work, uh, worth putting in for sure. Yeah, for sure. So from, as we, as we kind of wrap up, this is really good, good info, um, for, for the home building industry as a whole, but like, is your, what would be some some parting advice if someone's can either a actively considering or b like should you know passively considering like what are what were some of the things that you would say you know uh, that you need to identify internally to make sure that it's the right it's the right time um, and then like what are those internal like what what should their own set of expectations be yeah. Um, man, I, I think a, a couple of things that come to mind, um, and we talked about it a little bit already, but, um, I, I just think about the filters, like, like before I want to consider this change or even this new technology, whatever that may be, it might be VR or whatever. Um, I, I want to run that through some filters of, is it, is it going to be better for my team? And if it's better for my team, it's going to be better for the home buyer. Or sometimes you have to go the other way. Sometimes you have to go, it's going to be better for the home buyer. And my team's going to have to get on board with it. Um, yeah. Uh, but improvement, I would say, is is the big the big theme there. Like, is it actually going to be better? Sometimes we want to do things because they're cool, but the implementation and the actual use of it doesn't exist. Like, like yeah. this will be really cool. But will buyers actually do that? 
you know, um, we had that same conversation with VR in our model home. Like that is really cool to us techie people, but is the average Joe home buyer going to come in and put on goggles and immerse themselves into a virtual reality experience? Um, uh, and so, you know, some of those filters are like that. Um, but yeah, I would say improvement has got to be one of those. And, and, through through what we have seen, and this I know you didn't directly ask this, Matt, but one of the things that we saw was um, we've always been really good friends with Beaten Bow Homes out of West Texas, and uh, they're they're actually the company that that got helped us get our start. And so we've always tried to model ourselves after Beaten Bow, but but Beaten Bow builds a thousand homes a year, and we were a, a hundred home a year, and then a two hundred home a year, and then a three hundred home a year builder, and so. So you couldn't really directly translate what they were doing or what we were doing because the scale was so much. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. So one of the things that's been so helpful about being at the International Builder Show is running into people like you, Matt, that, that, you know, we can go up to and say, hey, I'm a 200 home a year builder. What other 200 home builders do you know that, that I could start to connect with? Because then I can look at builders that are equal size and yep. we can start sharing some best practices because our scale is the same. I, I can't scale myself after the top 25 builders in the country because they're, they're on a whole different level than we are. And, yep. and I shouldn't scale myself to, you know, the top 300 builders in the country because, because we're, you know, just playing at a different level. So, um, finding those builders that are, that are similar to what you're doing, um, has been huge for us because again, sharing those best practices, um, we've, we operate very transparent. We're an open book. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll share whatever we can with anybody if it's going to help them out. And so, uh, finding some, some building partners that, that are, uh, around your same size scale, uh, to us has been just huge. Yeah, it absolutely is, without a doubt. I, I love that you mentioned, because you, you know, you mentioned stuff like testing VR, and you know, th- and so there's got to be this um, willingness to carve a little bit of time and money out to test some new things. To, like you said, see if it, we're, now we're talking about stuff in general, and not just CRMs and ERPs, because you don't just yeah. sprinkle a little money at that, but you know, like you mentioned VR is really interesting because about with my old home building company, um, it was like five or six years ago, we tested VR headsets mm-hmm. in, a, in a model home and, you know, using Matterport tours and virtual, like actual renderings that we converted into 3d and all this kind of stuff. We were absolutely the first ones to do it, at least in our marketplace. But what we and I thought, cause I'm a complete nerd. I thought it was super cool. Yeah. But what we found was, buyers didn't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Like they were like, I don't want to put like, that's not like, I don't want to share that. Like put that over my face. It's just like, you know, you're like, Oh, we'll wipe this down. And it just became this cumbersome thing. And you come to the kind of realization of, all right, well, buyers aren't, they don't want to do this um, here. Um, what are the odds that your average consumer has their own personal VR set at home? <laughs> yeah. You know, which is, slim to none unless they have like a 12 year old playing the PS4 with a V, you know, you know, but like my kid, but um, (laughs) you know, and so anyway, that's what you've got to test things like that to determine like what, what's the buyer think of this, you know, like what, what's the impact that the buyer is going to have on the buyers is, is this pause. And if it is, 
what does that change look like upstream to our company? And if it's a big enough impact to the buyer, um, is it going to override? Like maybe it's a little more painful than we'd like for ourselves or the transition or whatever. But if it's a better overall experience for the buyer, is that experience great enough to override the the negatives for the company? You're like, well, ultimately we've got to do what the buyer wants. The buyer is going to benefit the buyer, and and all that to be said, really, it's like a quote out of uh, Dan Collins. Good to great, but also is another great book is um, great by choice. Jim Collins, mm, yeah. uh, Jim Collins. And um, he mentions, he talks about in there, you know, firing uh, a rifle shot before you fire a cannon. Mm. Right. And so you've got to throw a few rifle shots out there to see, really see what's going to work before you launch the big cannonball to blow up the whole ship kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, the, the VR thing, um, one of the things that I'm really excited about for ours, and you know, I may be way wrong here, but but I think <clears throat> I think our VR thing that that we're going to roll out to me, where I see the value in that, I think that it'll be really cool to take that on the road. Yeah. So you know, um, <laughs> here in Joplin, they do something called Third Thursday, where they shut down downtown, and and it kind of turns into like this, I wouldn't say a party, but, but it's like this, this deal downtown where there's lots of vendors and all this stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I could see we're getting, getting that VR out of the model home and basically taking the model home on the road, so to speak. Um, or, you know, um, your local HBA builder shows where, you know, people are walking around that thing, trying to pick up free rulers sure. and yardsticks. Yeah. Um, if we could bring the experience to them there, um, to me, that's where I get really excited about the VR stuff. I um, Hopefully that we'll see that work out. Well, you know, what's interesting, one of the things I, I, I didn't say I meant to was sometimes when you test something, so like I, I did this, I mean, it may have been six years ago. Sometimes when you test something, the market's not, you're early, you're too yep. early. And so there's not a high enough adaptation rate in the market in, with consumers as a whole. And so sometimes you're like, oh, I tried that a long time ago and that didn't work. Well, sometimes those things catch on later and you have to like circle back around and be like, all right, well, let's go, let's go get this another shot. So I'll be really interested to see, you know, what you guys, how that, how that ends up working for you guys, because, you know, you can come too early and then it's all about timing, right? Yeah. Uh, me, me personally, I think a, a really cool thing is going to be, I think the, a big thing is going to be AR, you know, mm, yeah. you because I'm all about reducing the, the friction for the home buyer or the home shopper and what does everyone have that they already know how to use on them and that's their phone, right? Yeah. And so the downside is you don't have that um, same immersive experience, right? Because you're, you're not limited by screen space. Um, but the upside is put this home in your pocket and take and, and like put it on your kitchen table kind of deal, right? So we'll see. I, 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 I We'll have to have you back on and talk about how the what the process was from a, a VR perspective. We've gone like way down a rabbit hole now because we were talking about that. <laughs> uh, but now, now I'm just talking because I want to talk and this is what I want to talk about. Uh, but no, it, I, it'll be really interesting to see. Um, I think that's great. You're taking it to the, taking it to the buyer instead of bringing that, just having that in the model home. Um, and I will also say that um, your buyer adoption is also going to be heavily, heavily dependent on in this case, your sales teams buy-in. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like if they're looking at this going, man, this sucks. Oh, nobody's going to want to do this. <laughs> then guess what? They're right. 
Yeah. You know, and so have it's it's all about having, you know, getting getting the right buy-in. Whether it be CRMs, you got to show them what it's about. Whether it's about ERPs, you got to show them why we're going through this pain, why we're doing the things that we're doing, or rolling out new new technology like VR or AR or, you know, whatever, whatever you're rolling out into the models, um, you know, you've got to be able to show them the benefit of why they should change what they're doing. So, well, in the, you know, the, you're absolutely right, Matt. And, and, but the same is true about everything else we do. If there's that one floor plan that the sales team doesn't like, you'll never sell it. You'll never if, sell it. If there's that one neighborhood that, they they are convinced that nobody wants to be in or that it's priced too high. Guess what? Nobody wants to be there and it's priced too high. And um, so uh, y- you're right. The same thing is true with technology, just like it is, um, uh, you know, with your sales team and your marketing team, that if they're not all on board with with any of it, it won't move. And and as a sales leader, that's been one of the hardest things to navigate mm-hmm. through is, um, hey, this neighborhood isn't selling. Well, is it really the price or is it the perception? Okay. Is it really the floor plans or is it the perception? Is it really the location or is it the perception? And so having to overcome some of that um, uh, can be tough for sure. But you're right. That, that translates right into te- the I, one of the things. Stuff. So this was uh, back into a regular market where um, you might build a spec home and you might have trouble selling it sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. and so one of the exercises, this, this is almost like after, after the show, like after the credits, post credit talk here. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, one of the things that we used to, I used to do was if I was going to have to reduce the price on, uh, an inventory home, um, before we reduce the price, we would call it, if you love your specs, it'll love you back. And so, um, I would go out there and be like, all right, you're going to, you have to, before I reduce this house by five grand or 10 grand. Um, you need, I need you to sell me, I need you to sell me this house. Yeah. Um, you know, and they would have to walk demo, walk me because then at the end of the day, you're like, Hey, it's, it's, is it, is it the lot? Cause let's face it. Not every lot's perfect. Right. Sure. You know, is it the color? Sometimes yes, we miss on cabinet colors, right. Yeah. Or whatever it may be. Um, or we try something new and it didn't work, but more times than not, it's going to be what that individual salesperson perceives the value of that thing to be. Yeah. My, my good friend, Amy O'Connor taught us that same thing and it was happy eyes. So go to that spec, that community, whatever it is, it isn't selling and take the team. And the one rule is only good things. You can't say anything negative. So, and it was start at the curb and only happy eyes. What do you see that you like about this? What is great about this? And you walk every single room, the backyard, everything. And it sounds so elementary, but I've done it with the team before. And it's really powerful. Whenever you put yourself in that mindset of only positive vibes, only happy eyes. um, uh, You know, sometimes it can be difficult to have happy eyes on some of those spots, but, um, it is really helpful. You may still end up having to do a price reduction or, or incentivize Mm or, or add a fence or whatever, but, um, man, it it is a powerful exercise for sure. Yeah. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I could talk about this kind of stuff all day, um, (laughs) but uh, we'll have to do that a separate episode, but anyway, Sean, so thank you so much for coming on. I think it was a, a unbelievably insightful, uh, and impactful, conversation for, you know, our fellow peers within the industry, anybody that's 
considering or even remotely con- remotely considering um, evaluating their their tech stack and the systems and processes that, processes that they use. Um, I think you added a ton of value to them. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for agreeing to spend uh, about an hour with me today and chatting. Hey, Matt, thank you very much. Thank you for everything you do for uh, just the, the home builder community. Um, uh, like I shared with you before, um, I've looked up to you for a long time and and always appreciate your insight and just just the knowledge and wisdom that you bring uh, to all of us in, in the field is, is uh, priceless. So um, it's an honor to be here with you today and, and I'm just really excited about it. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean, and uh, greatly appreciate that and um, very humbled. So awesome. All right. Well, I hope you have a great week and everyone else, thanks for listening. And I hope you guys have a fantastic week and we look forward to chatting with you again next week. Have a great one. 